Amen. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Okay, so today we're going to be in James 5, verses 13 through 20. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Okay. Well, <clears throat> so good to be here with you all this morning, friends. I hope that you're enjoying your day and excited to be um, gathered together as, as God's people, um, as his church. Um, we come together today not because... Um, we think we're anything special um, by ourselves, because by ourselves we're fallen, we're separate from God, um, but because of faith in Christ that God has given to us, he's given us a new life, a new heart, a new beginning. Um, we are declared children of God, and we're together simply just to praise Jesus for that. Um, I'll put this closer, Mike, because I think that's a cue for me to put the mic closer to my face. I wanted to welcome um, Jay. Um, Afonso is a new member of our church. God bless you, brother. Um, it's so good to see you. Give him a round of applause. Um, um, we, we do that here not um, to create a clique or a club, but to simply acknowledge um, who we are um, as our faith in Christ encourages us to meet together and to care for each other, to look out for each other, as we'll see in a moment. Um, so I just wanted to encourage you to uh, give, give Jay a fist bump or an elbow bump. I don't like that. I still can't get used to the the elbow thing, but I do it out of obligation. <laughs> but um, God bless you, Jay. We love Jay. We love his family. It's so good to see you all this morning, okay? Um, we're going um, to just be able to celebrate a little bit with him afterwards. And um, we, we have um, a new, um, I'll, I'll give you a little bit more instruction about this at the end, but we have a new way of doing communion. You all should have received one of these, um, this, these little packets. If you didn't, we do have some in the front that you can come and grab when it's communion time. But this has the cracker and the juice. It's very cleanly, okay? It's very clean. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We, we'll be able to introduce that back into our services now. Um, our vision here at Refuge Church is that our church and our neighbors would know Jesus and find real life. We want you to be alive, to really live the life that God has in store for you. And I'm not just talking about you being successful or making lots of money or figuring out your gifts, but the life that you get by relationship with Jesus Christ is a wonderful thing indeed. And that's our vision, that our church and our neighbors would know Jesus and find real life. 
every life alive. We want every single person in this room to really be living fully in Christ. And if you don't know what that means and if you're not there yet, well, get in line. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a journey and it's a challenge for all of us. But friends, that, that is why we're here because we want to live the life in Christ that, that he has promised to us in his word. Every life alive because it only comes from Jesus Christ. The idea of living life fully, um, reclaiming people who don't know Christ, spiritually dead people through Christ, we believe is animated or empowered by the values and instructions of Scripture. The, the means to which we see the life of Christ lived out in us, and also to people that don't know him yet, come to us through the commands of Scripture, the values and, <clears throat> and the things that it instructs. So we've crafted what we hope to be very biblical values and things that we've held dear since we've opened. And there are five of them. You'll see them on the blue banners that we hung up right there next to our Refuge Church sign. There's one in the foyer as well. But they're also listed on the screen. We've gone over the first three as we've gathered to the, um, together these past three weeks. And today we're going to go over authentic relationship. <clears throat> because our vision is for the life of Christ to transform you, to continue to transform you, and to transform our neighbors around us, we value these things. <clears throat> and I want to read to you what is our fuller description of what we mean by authentic relationship um, from, our vision from our value statement, just so you can know exactly what it is that we mean by this. And it says this, you can follow along on the screen with me. It says, we value authentic relationship as foundational to our community of faith, discipleship, and evangelism. The purpose of all of our relationships is to know and to love Jesus Christ. As a local community, we value safe, open, and honest communication as paramount. Growth in Christ requires sharing the life of faith and heart issues honestly with a with another follower of Jesus. We value relationships as the primary vehicle of evangelism. And we strive for transparency in our interactions with each other and our neighbors and as we conduct business as a church and pursue the vision of our church. So consequently, we are committed to honest friendships with God's people. We are committed to friendship evangelism. And what that means basically is that we know people that don't know Christ yet, and we become their friends. We invest in their life. Friendship evangelism. And, we're, and lastly, we are committed to transparency in our operations as a church. The passage of scripture we, we read today, I think, you might think, oh, this is just a lot about prayer, and it is. But th there's something in that, interwoven in that, that I want to draw out tonight that really emphasizes well what we mean by authentic relationship. Now, you all have probably had the same bad dream that I've had, okay? It starts off okay. We're with a group of friends in a large area just like this, right? Maybe everyone's looking at you like you're looking at me right now. But then, uh-oh, all of a sudden, we look down, and what's missing? Our clothes. It's all gone, it's so, that dream, you know, you're standing there with nothing but your skibbies on. Everyone's looking at you and laughing. It's just so final. You got nothing to hide. This is who I am right here, okay? 
and everyone gets a, like a nice laugh and you wake up in cold sweats. And if that's not enough, it's something I think for some reason we all, we all have that dream. But imagine how humiliating it would be if the world would get a front row seat to us in our worst moments, when we're at our absolute worst. I, I, um, <laughs> I remember one time, I don't even know if Mark knows this. So this is a confession from the pastor to you all, right? So it was after a group. I was driving home, and, <clears throat> and at the time I lived in Swansea. And um, I'm driving home on my way home, and some guy behind me beeps at me. And I'm like, oh, no, you didn't. And I just came from church, right? So like, but, you know, I'm, I'm a few miles away, right? This, it can't be any of you, right? So like someone beeps at me, and I think it's just some belligerent jerk, right? Like, so, so I start, like, I, I, I beep back a lot. Me, 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 like that. Like, like you've done it. Don't judge me. So, so then I do that. I get it out of my system. And then I notice, because I think we were on Route 6, I notice um, the guy drive by me, and it's Mark. So he texts me. Do you remember this? He does remember it. He knew I was lying, too. So he texts me, and he's like, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And he's like, oh, no, I knew it was you. I was just beeping. Totally lied. Totally lied to him. And I don't think you believed me. But, yeah, so what was I doing? I was hiding myself at my worst moments. I didn't want, I didn't want Mark to see me at my worst, especially I'm his pastor. i got to be awesome all the time, right? No. <laughs> Thank you. Someone sees us at, us, at our worst, we're so, so ashamed of it. And, and, you know, a lot of times we're not really ashamed that we hurt them. We're just ashamed that we don't look good, right? So even that, we're ashamed for the wrong reason. So we bury those things. We bury those wicked thoughts. We hide everything about us that we don't like, our jealousies, our lusts, our hate, and we pretend to be good, kind, and happy. Isn't that true? Just look at people's Facebook pages. Consider Genesis chapter 2 with me. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. This is before sin. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And Adam and Eve and his wife, they were both naked. And they were not ashamed. They had nothing to be ashamed of. They had no reason to hide. Right? No hiding, no shame. But then they sin. You know what happens the first thing they do? The eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. They made coverings for themselves, and they hid from the Lord. And friends, the sad story of humanity has been all of us hiding, remaining in the dark from the Lord and from each other since sin was born in the heart of man. We hide. Our task in this dark world and in our dark soul is to construct a false version of ourself so that no one sees who we really are. And only the gospel of Jesus Christ can make it safe for naked sinners to come out of darkness and into the light. It's the only thing that can do it. It's the only safe place for guilty sinners to be completely exposed and naked in front of their king. It's only safe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we mean by authentic relationship. It means real, real Christianity, really who we are. It begins with God and continues in our fellowship with each other, in our brotherhood and in our sisterhood. 
We aim not to hide. The word authentic, you know what it means? It means not fake. I love simple definitions. You ever read a definition in the dictionary and are more confused by the definition than you are by the word, right? To, to be authentic is to not be fake, to be real. And the Bible calls us to be in real, authentic relationship with each other, not fake relationship, not hiding relationship. So today, I want to look a little bit more carefully about what the Bible instructs as to our authentic living with God and with each other. <clears throat> now, as we read our passage, I'm sure that you noticed the various issues we are to offer up in prayer. Did you notice that? If you're this, pray. If you're that, pray. If you're this, pray. So you look at this passage and you think, wow, this has a lot to do with prayer. And it does. But <clears throat> if we're going to intercede for each other, it sort of assumes that we know each other's needs, that we really know what's going on in each other's lives so that we can pray for each other. Isn't that true? The underlying assumption is that as a Christian community, we are not hiding our fears or our problems and, our, and not even our sins. But we're exposing the things that for us make us most vulnerable to Christian friends. So God calls each Christian and the organized church to three categories of authenticity. And this is what I want to encourage you with in your life this morning. Three, charities, three categories of authentic living. They are authentic in body and soul and spirit. That's simple, right? Body, soul, and spirit. Let me explain to you what I mean. <clears throat> Let's look at body first. What I mean by body is that we are honest about our material situation, okay? Material, very physical, very earthy, right? Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders to the church to pray. Admit your sickness. Admit your trouble and solicit the help of God's people, you see, that's what the command of Scripture is telling us. Healthy spiritual living means that we maintain the kind of Christian community, maybe with not everyone, but with a few people, where no topic is off limits, where you can bear your soul to them. And that first category of authentic living concerns our physical needs. Is anyone in trouble, it says? Let them pray. Brothers and sisters, are you in trouble? Did you lose a job? Can you not pay your next mortgage payment? Does anybody know? Have you told anybody? Is there any Christian friend that's carrying that load with you? You see, friends, have you ever told anyone if you're ever in trouble with health or with money or with marriage? You see, friends, the kind of Christian community that the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has called us to come together with is an honest one. It's a transparent one. It's a friendly one, right? The instruction to James is not, are you sick or in trouble? Well, get over it because you're going to heaven when you die and that's all that matters. It doesn't say that. It says if you're in trouble or if, in, or if you're sick, it matters. Talk to someone that you trust and love that knows Christ that can pray for you, right? We're not going to them so that they can give us money or get us off the hook. We need their encouragement and their prayer. You see? 
we make our requests known to God in Philippians chapter 4 and to each other in our text. Don't carry your burden alone, friend. We're going to get to barriers um, at the end of our service as to the reasons why we might do that. But we'll hold that off to the end. Would you know that it is safe for you to come out of darkness and into the light with your heavenly Father? And you can tell him your needs. And God has given people around you to share in that heavy load as well. You guys all know who Arnold Schwarzenegger is? That's my best impersonation of him. Everyone's got, got it, got one, by the way. You've probably done it. Well, when he was young, do you know that he was Mr. Universe? He trained to be Mr. Universe, and I think he won it a record a number of times. Well, um, <clears throat> in an article, he revealed that it was his habit at the time as a young man that when he would go into the gym, he would hide everything that is on his body that was a strength, and he would only keep out in the open his weakness. So he was, he was sort of um, kind of lacking with his calves. He had great arms, great pecs. You know, everything was good. His calves were kind of bad. So a lot, of, a lot of bodybuilders, what they'll do is they'll put on long pants and they'll show off their abs or their arms. And those are the good things about him. But he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to only expose that on me which is weak so that everyone can see it. He says, I knew if I exposed only my better body parts, this is Facebook, by the way, I knew if I exposed only my better body parts, all I'd get from my peers would be wonderful comments, and I'd soon forget about my horrid lower legs. So I continued to wear those cutaway sweatpants that invited ego-bruising pain. (laughs) And it worked, he says. I trained them first every workout, and when I was done, I trained them last, because it's what I saw. You know that um, that is so often our problem? Authentic relationship invites ego-bruising pain. They see us at our weakest, at our most vulnerable, things that maybe we are potentially ashamed of, and we don't want that exposed. So we hide them and only show our strengths. But we never grow. Psalm chapter 18 says, God, your loving correction makes me great. It makes me great. So when we do expose our weakness and we invite the help, critique, and encouragement of God's people, it helps us grow. It brings us past what is normally crushing to our own ego. And you know, this value also impacts our corporate responsibility as a church. If we made as a church some financial mistake or some administrative blunder or the like, we don't cover it up. We're honest. Hey, we, we, met, we thought this and we messed up. To be transparent, to be authentic. The reality, you know, friends, that I'm just a human. The leaders of this church are just human. We're not always going to make the right or perfect decisions. So our task is not to hide those things, to be honest about them. And your task is to be a little bit gracious to us when it happens, right? We need to challenge ourselves to material authenticity with each other. And second is soul authenticity, or emotional honesty, we could call it. It says, is anyone happy? Sing together. Let them sing songs of praise. Let them sing songs of praise. If you're happy, if good news has come your way, share it. 
You see, the implication here, too, is if you're sad, you're going to share that as well. Friends, how are you feeling deep inside you right now? Like, if you were really honest with us, what would you say? Some of us are very happy, and we're okay, and we're strong, and that's all right. It's okay if that's your situation. You don't have to make up some calamity or problem. But some of you aren't. Some of, some of you are internally suffering, and you don't tell anyone. You hold onto it inside you, and nobody knows. Oh, friends, if anyone is happy, if anyone is discouraged, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. If you're happy, if you're sad, if you're scared, God and someone else that loves the Lord Jesus Christ should know about it. You see, that's the kind of authentic relationship that God has called his people to, I think. <clears throat> when I was about 21 years old, I was pursuing pastoral vocation, and I asked an associate pastor uh, in the church I was serving, um, when should a pastor ever admit to his people that they're struggling? And without flinching, you know what he said? Never. <laughs> so I was like, uh, that doesn't sound right. You know, I get maybe you're not, you're not supposed to wear your emotions on your sleeve all the time, and, you know, I get all that. But never? That's so final. The emotion, I think emotionally honest and healthy Christians trust the body of Christ with what is most sacred in their hearts to them. They trust each other. They are safe to be emotionally exposed, emotionally naked. Friends, are you emotionally exposed to anyone? Anyone at all? Or have you learned to live in the secrecy of your own home, in the privacy of your own heart? The third kind of authentic relationship God calls us to is spiritual authenticity, spiritual honesty. What does our text say? If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. Life alive means that we are in real, honest, authentic relationships spiritually with God's people and with God himself. Um, another, another blunder I, I once heard is um, sometimes you get like a spiritual leader to admit like sort of like a, a failure of theirs. And one time I, a, a spiritual leader of mine said, one weakness of mine is that I care about t people too much. And I'm like, come on, <laughs> really? I was like, I checked out three girls before you finished that sentence. <laughs> what does our text say? Confess your sins to one another. Don't pretend that you're so holy and pious that the only sin you could ever commit is to care too much. Please. Friends, if you are married and you've been flirting with some girl, who have you confessed it to? If you've been looking at porn or cheating in your business, maybe hating somebody in your heart, who knows about it? Who have you made confession to? And, you know, sometimes we think of confession as something that we do only when we've been caught, right? I'm sorry I did that. 
You do it when you're not caught. Like children, after the hundredth time you've told them not to do that, they've learned to just say, I'm sorry. Right? And they're just saying it. Why are they saying it? To get off the hook. They don't want to get punished. They don't want to lose their TV show or their ice cream. Right? So they're not really sorry. We make confessions like this. They're not real confessions. They're not authentic. They're selfish, and confession is never selfish. Confession is grieving over the person that you've offended, not what you've lost because of your mistake. You see, you're actually sorry for the person and not for yourself. Friends, are we moving together as God's people towards spiritual authenticity? I hope so. Now that's our vision for authenticity, body, soul, and spirit, material, emotional, spiritual authenticity, real friendship, where nothing is, no conversation, no topic is off limits. What are some of the barriers? What are some of the reasons why you'd say, no, I don't want to live like that? Let's talk about those because these are important. We need to, we need to break these down because they're going to prevent you from living the real life, the life of fullness and happiness that God has promised in his word. So we need to learn how to break those down. What are the barriers to, to living like this? First, I think, is the flesh. Let me explain to you what I mean. Oftentimes, we hide our sin or our attitudes because we don't want to change them. <laughs> right? Like, the reality is we don't want to live differently. So we pretend not to be doing those things because other people might be giving us a hard time about it. Isn't that true? So we just do it at night where no one sees no one's looking. So we lie to get what we really want. Isn't that true? Like I lied to Mark. I wanted his affirmation. I didn't want him to think that I was a knucklehead. So I lied to him. Friends, religious leaders might pretend to love Jesus, to get your money or admiration. Business owners might donate to some charity, not because they love orphans, but because they want a tax break or they want to put it on their website so more people shop at their store, right? And so on. We pretend in our flesh that we're really this, but we're really about something else. And we don't want to come clean about it because we really just don't want to change. Isn't that true? Have you done that? I have. This barrier, I think, is broken down when we really start to believe that the wages of sin is hard. The way of the sinner is hard. You see, confession and life lived like Christ is better. It's happier. It's more fulfilling. It's more completing. And if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, it offends God and that doesn't bother you. You've got to come to this point where, you've, where you are convinced that to walk in imitation of Christ is better. It's more satisfying. It's more fulfilling. And that it will enhance your life and relationship with Jesus. Then sin will happily fall off of you. You see? This barrier is broken down when we believe what God says about sin. Another barrier, I think, to authenticity is pride. This is a big one. We don't want anyone to think we're weak or can't handle our own problems. So we brush it off. It's fine. I'm fine. I can handle it. We don't want people to think we're incompetent or afraid or anything that maybe our dads didn't like us to have, right? Any quality. 
We want to keep up the illusion of strength so we hide our calves. <laughs> because we want affirmation from other people and we dare not do anything to bruise our egos. And friends, pride, how is pride broken down? Well, it's very simple. Pride is broken down with humility. When how do you develop humility? And that's a great question. The only, humility is developed when you realize that you are uniquely human. And what does that mean? You're not God. That means, if you're not God, it means that you can't lift more than a certain weight. You don't have infinite strength. You have limits. You can't solve every problem. You need help. If you didn't need, if, if you didn't need help, you'd be God. Without God, you wouldn't even have life. You wouldn't have a brain to think with. So when we acknowledge God as God and us as in yourself as his creation, it loosens us up to be humble, to be able to admit when we need help. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Everybody needs help. Isn't that true? The only being that has no limits is God. So when we bump into the edge of ourselves, it should remind us that we are ever dependent on God for everything that we have and are. So there's another one, pride. How about anger or fear? It's number three. You can put anger slash fear. I forgot to do that in the, the slides there. But um, anger is a, a, and fear are a, a barrier to authentic living. And let me, let me explain to you what I mean. Maybe at one time in your life you were honest with somebody. You were emotionally exposed. Your needs were made known. Your greatest weaknesses and vulnerabilities were, were put there on the table before someone's eyes and they betrayed you and they gossiped about you and they turned their back on you. Maybe they told other people about the, the thing that was most humiliating for you in your life. Or maybe they rejected you as a consequence of knowing something. They didn't forgive you, in other words. You see, what happens here is that our anger and our fear harden us. They prevent us from living like this any further. We are honest. We're naked with someone, but they betray us. They laugh at us. They hurt us. So we hide from everyone and trust no one. We're angry about the past and we fear the future. So we hide. Friends, might I invite you to consider the gospel that bashes down this barrier every time. The barrier comes down when we remember that it is God's verdict on us, not our moms, not man's, not an old pastor's of ours, not an old husband or wife. It is God's verdict on our life that matters, and he never laughs at you. He never betrays you or gossips you. You know what he does? He loves you. He brings you in. He clothes you in righteousness. And any godly man or woman of God is going to do the same. They're going to love you and treat you with the same kind of compassion and grace that our God treats us with. So remembering the grace of God in Christ heals those old wounds and helps us to come out of hiding. The third thing, I think, is unbelief. It's sort of connected to this, or the fourth thing, rather. Fourth barrier to living authentically. Why did Adam and Eve hide, you think? I think it's because they refused to accept that God would forgive them. They were told 
The day that you eat this fruit and disobey me, the day you do it, you'll die. But they didn't die. Now, what should have that clued them into? God, would be, God was being gracious. God was relenting on the curse that he had vowed to put on them. The very fact that they were living still should have cued them into the fact that God was being gracious to them, that he was going to offer them a way of escape. But you know what they did? Rather than go to God to receive that way of escape, they made up their own. They hid. God was being gracious to them, but when they heard his footsteps, they hid and they clothed themselves. They didn't really believe it was safe to be in God's presence or that he would forgive them. Oh, and friends, so oftentimes we do the exact same, same thing. We really don't believe that our shame is gone, that our, that our guilt is gone. We really don't believe that we are clothed in righteousness no matter what we've done that has been put and poured out on Jesus Christ. You see, friends, if that's true, then we are declared innocent to God, we are saved, we are declared righteous, and all, all we need to do is simply make confession to restore fellowship with our good God that will give it to us every time. That he won't reject us, even when we're at our worst. Friend, when you expose everything about yourself to God, oh, believe this, hear this. When you expose everything to him, he will wash you, he will clean you, he will forgive you. Do you trust him? Do you believe him? And come out. Come out of darkness and into the light. I want to talk as I close right now about two blessings that we get out of this. And you should have maybe heard this throughout the sermon. But when you begin to really live like this, you really start to live. You are finally alive. When we come out of hiding, you know what happens? Psalm 32 tells us. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whom and in whose spirit is no deceit. In whose spirit is no deceit. In other words, they expose everything to God. They hide nothing. They say, God, this is what I've done, like David did when he fell. Blessed, happy, that's what that word means, is the one who does this. Your life becomes full of, Happy people, finally alive, finally forgiven, finally free to be human. When I kept silent, though, it says, my bones wasted away. I was sick. I couldn't move. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover anything up. And you forgave me, and I lived. You want to live like that? Oh, be real. Don't be fake. Be real. You know what the second gift of this is, the second blessing? our authentic living with God and each other leads to the salvation of lost people around us. When we actually do this, people who don't know Jesus yet get saved. It's true. How can my confessing my sin to you save anyone else? Well, it's what happens. It's what the Bible promises. You know, when David sinned and he made his sin known and didn't hide it anymore, he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me then I'll teach transgressors your ways and sinners will repent. This is the power of evangelism. 
the power of bringing lost people to Christ that don't know him yet. It hinges on this. Walking in the light is ego bruising, but it's life. You know, legend has it that there was this Prussian king. His name was Frederick the Great. And he was once touring um, a Berlin prison. The, the, uh, pr- all the prisoners fell on their knees um, and said, I'm innocent, let me out, let me go. I'm innocent, I didn't do it, except for one man. There was this one guy that wasn't doing it. He was just kind of clunched over in the back, and he remained silent. Frederick the Great approaches him, and he says, why are you in here? And he says, armed robbery, your majesty. Frederick the Great says, well, are you guilty? He says, yes, indeed, your majesty. I deserve to be here. I deserve my punishment. Frederick then summoned the jailer and ordered him, release this guilty wretch at once. I will not have him kept in this prison where he might corrupt all these fine, innocent people. (laughs) You know, friends, in Jesus' economy, it's exactly the same. Only the guilty are freed from from their chains while all of those pretentious and pretending innocent remain in them. Come out. Be authentic. That's the gift of grace and the death and resurrection of Christ. It's to be safe in his presence and clothed in his righteousness. Mary Ann Evans um, ironically wrote about the joy of being authentic. She was a, a woman in a Victorian England that did not come with advantages as a writer and poet. So she wrote under the pen name George Eliot, and she writes this. And I think this, this is kind of ironic, because she's writing as a man when she's a woman, and she's writing about authenticity. <laughs> right? And I think she knows more about it than perhaps many of us. She writes this. Oh, the comfort, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh thoughts or measure words, but to pour them all out just as they are, chaff and grain together, knowing that a faithful hand will take and sift them, keep what's worth keeping, and then with the breath of their kindness, just blow away the rest. Oh, isn't that great? Have you ever had a friend like that? In Christ, you have that friend. In Christ, such you are with you are God, safe. He addresses you in righteousness and blows away the rest. Isn't that great news? Let's be authentic. Let's be real. I hope we can. Because it is our life and it is the life of our family and friends and neighbors in town. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we ask you, Lord God, teach us to be real with your people. Help us, God. Bring us to a few people in your church that we can trust and bear it all to and be authentic with. Oh God, help us to make our body, soul, and spirit needs known. To not hide in the darkness. To not be afraid or angry. And to truly believe that when we come to you in our guilt, that you will clothe us in your righteousness and love us. Friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ, now's your moment. Now's your time. Come out of the darkness, out of hiding. 
cry out to God, God, save me. I am a sinner. I've been hiding my weaknesses and my failures. Um, and ultimately, these things have been against you. They haven't been against me or other people. I've sinned against you and you only. And I've been hiding from you. But God, you bid me to come out of hiding, to approach you, because Christ Jesus, your eternal son, died for me in my place. And I trust in him. Oh God, clothe me. Friend, if you're crying out to God in repentant faith such as this, he is, he is clothing you as we speak, holding you in his arms, and I pray that you would be baptized, that you would tell me or someone that you know what's been going on in your heart. God, for the rest of us, help us to live authentically. Teach us to have friends that we trust, that we can live our lives with. We love you so much, and we ask you now to bless the remainder of our service in Jesus' name. Amen.